The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Thursday the 30th of June 2022. This is episode 216. Uh, David, you recovered from your, your big trip to Chicago? Yes, it was it was fun. It was honestly it was uh it was an absolute blast. And uh the flight themselves were easy peasy, no issues, uh with the help of alcohol and uh Edibles. <laughs> I was I was feeling quite fine on my flights, uh, but yeah, it was really a fun time. I mean, I wish you were there. Saw a lot of uh, the voices of wrestling crew, including the great Andrew Rich once again, who I hadn't seen in since well, when when New Japan was in Lowell. Um, John Carroll, um, the great Chris Samsa, who who by the way. I don't know, Joel, if you've ever met the great Chris Samson. No, I haven't had the pleasure. He is an attractive gentleman. I told him and his wife. I think, yeah, it's his wife, right? I think it was his wife. Um, I hope it was his wife. uh, (laughs) (laughs) If it's not, that's going to be hell to pay at the house. Um, I I was like, you know, you look like, you might need a little help with the Google, uh, Joel. uh, He looks like Jordan Knight. From New Kids on the Block. So if you want to Google that, everyone at home. Okay. He's an attractive guy. I was like, you're a handsome dude. I don't like it. Mm. Right? What a, a hunk. Yes. A hunk. He's a hunky guy. Uh, but he, honestly, he hooked up everything because um, he lives local. And uh, we had a great time. I mean, the show was great. I, mean, I know we're going to get into it. But um, overall, the meetup was great. Right, um, that was fun. Met a lot of cool people. And how was the meet at the meetup? So here's the thing. So uh, I get there, I pull up in my Uber. <laughs> it was a, the biggest, the biggest like SUV ever. I, like I felt like I was like Kanye West or something. Uh, pull up, and there were two dudes that were out front, and I guess they saw the Maple Leafs hat, and they were like, "You're Damon." I was like, "Yeah." They're like, uh, you know, go on in. Let's let's see. I was like, I, I know somebody, uh, Eric, from the Torch, Pro Wrestling Torch, had re- uh, reserved some tables. And I said, you know, well, let's go together. So we go in. Uh, they had the tables out in the back. But there was probably about 20 people, I would say, at, at its peak. Um, I was trying to just kind of go in between tables and meet everyone. And everyone was super friendly and everyone was fun. And I don't know, man. Like, it felt like old times. It really felt good. It really felt good. Um, four beers. That was it. Four beers. 
and our good friend Jeff, um, listener of the show. He's the dude that has all the the Liger in ring stuff. That, that I was I was making him offers on the spot. I was like, "What did you pay for it? I'll pay double." Um, he, I was like, I told him before. I was like, four beers my minimum, or four four beers is my max because I don't want to get all fucked up and get go to the show. He's like, "All right." So here it comes. So somebody was like, I'll get next round. Who's going? You know, whatever. And he looked at me. He's like, he, and he pointed at my beer. He's like, that's number four. And I was like, all right. And that's that. That's that. And then he drove us. Excellent. Yep. And he drove us to the show. Uh, so that was nice. I paid for parking. Um, and then when I was there, so they had open bar, right? Fantastic. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask about this. The sweet. Sweet was the- sweet. Legendary sweets. Yep. I had like four hot dogs. <laughs> I was a gluttonous pig. Um, they had wings and a dessert tray. It was wonderful. And then an open bar. So I remember John Carroll going, uh, what are you, what, Dave, what are you drinking? And I was like, I'm going with the dirty water first. And I filled it up with ice, poured it about halfway with uh, a nice little bourbon, right? But then halfway through, I'm like, you know what? This is, this is a path of destruction. Because if you're going to have one, you're going to have two. And you're going to have two, you're going to have three. So I stopped. I literally just stopped drinking. I maybe had a quarter of it. And then I was like nursing some beers. But like halfway through the show, I stopped drinking completely. And I was per- perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. So the whole show didn't sleep once. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> so I know this seems ridiculous, but I was a little bit proud of myself. I, was, I felt pretty good. Yeah, that's great. I thought so. I mean, listen, it's it's ridiculous that I'm, I'm even talking about that. But um, yes, it was uh, a fun time. But I will say this. So on this trip, I will say this. I had uh, <laughs> I, I had another fall. <laughs> I had another accident. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> so me and Cheryl were going to lunch before the show, right? And we stop at a bar. Like a little, it was like a uh, a brewery, pretty good. I forget what his name was. Um, but outside the window, I, I that's when I texted you. I was like, "There's this guy walking around the streets with the IWGP Heavyweight Champion on it. Like he's just walking around the streets with the belt." And I'm just like, "Ugh, God Almighty, what are you doing?" Right? And then and then seconds later, I see Eddie Kingston walking down the street. And I was like, "Oh, what's going on?" Um, so the, the, we left there and we were going to go to a place called Sushi, Sushi San, um, which was a, like a block away. So I'm walking, boom, 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 walking in there. And like the sidewalk was a little uneven. And I guess I was expecting to land at a certain point and, and I didn't. And my ankle just twisted over and boom, I go down in the middle of the fucking walkway, like a, like a maniac. And I'm like, oh, and my hand. Was absolutely black and blue, and my ankle still t- right now. I, I could take a picture of my ankle right now. It's fucked. Um, it's just bruised all over. So you know how you just kind of get up and you're just like, oh fuck, I'm so embarrassed. You know, whatever. Um, and then somebody came over and they're like, you're right, dude. And I was like, yeah, the fucking. And my wife was like, yeah, he he, he just fell. <laughs> like he didn't want to even get into it. He does this all the time. He does it all the time. I'm two for two in recent vacations. It's terrible. I was so embarrassed. Um. I don't know what happened, but yes, I fell on my ass fucking again. No kids, no, no, no kids subliminal. Maybe the kid was there. Maybe the kid was in Chicago and he was across the street and he was like, there's that fucking guy again. I'm making him fall again. Wouldn't that be something? 
<laughs> These are the evil telekinetic powers. Right. Yeah. right. So let me ask you this, because I'm sure we're going to get into Forbidden Door in a second. Um, this is your last show of for, for like a for month, month, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tomorrow I'm flying back to the UK and I said before, I think I'm going to be in a tiny little house with my parents and my kids. Obviously, there's just, it's just not possible. Well, one, it's not really practical. And two, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have to wake up at stupid times and watch a, a Yano and Dick Togo dog collar match. Or at least when I do watch that, I want to enjoy it in peace without having to worry about coming up with a tape right. to show on the podcast. Right. Oh, I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it. But uh, don't want a podcast about it. So, yeah, you will next hear from me in early August. I'll jump back in halfway through the G1. Wow. Uh, we don't haven't decided yet who's going to be taking over, but you'll have Damon and it will be wonderful, I'm sure. It will be. It would probably be, and, and we were talking about this a little bit, it'll probably be me interviewing people because I have no idea. Like, I just don't want to do a format. And again, there's these shows are fucking nonsense. So um, I would prefer to, to have... Almost, you know, let me let me interview people who are are in active in the community. So I will be reaching out to some people uh, very soon. Um, so look in your inboxes or text messages, and I will be uh, I'll be corresponding with you shortly. If you are a lucky chosen, I think right now we're like what are we looking at? Like three shows, maybe three shows, three shows, right? Yeah, okay, well, that's not that bad. And if anything breaks, I mean, you know, look, you you know, you can hop back in, but. Um, God bless you. Fucking on a plane, two kids, toddlers. Oof. How do you think? How do you think they're going to make it out flying? Has has <sighs> either of them flown yet? Uh, yeah, both of them. Wait, has Arthur flown? Esther definitely has. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Arthur. They both flown. They have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, only short distances, like one, two hours. So the actual experience of navigating the airport and actually being on the plane takeoff landing, that that's all fine. But they're just there's two long flights. We're going to Doha and then Doha to London. So I've just like loaded my MacBook full of kids TV for Esther mm-hmm. um, and Arthur fuck knows. He's <laughs> probably gonna be crawling up and down the aisles. Oh. But, uh, How long's we'll the flight, see. my man? Uh, I don't know. I'm scared to look at it. Really? <laughs> don't want to know. Over twelve? Over twelve uh, hours, right? Okay. Now tomorrow it's leaving Bangkok at eight forty-five in the morning and arriving Doha at four p.m. Mm. And then there'll be a little layover, like hour or two, and then another flight, roughly the same length. That's that's a haul, my man. That's a haul. And where where is home again? So my parents now live in Totnes in Devon. So they'll they'll meet us at the airport and we'll spend the night there and then the next morning we'll drive down to the West Country. Mm. I haven't been there yet. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. I'm excited for you. It's the first time you've been back in a long time. What's what's the first thing you're looking forward to getting? Like what's what's like, all right, I gotta fucking get this immediately. What do you miss most? I want to sit in a pub beer garden mm. with some scampi fries mm-hmm. and Kind of, I don't know, some sort of maybe a cider, mm-hmm. nice English cider. That'd be wonderful. Can I ask you this? Are you meeting up with the great Dan, editor Dan? I hope so. Uh, I will be in London for the final week of my trip, so I will definitely be reaching out to him and 
the other smart cast boys if they're around. Nice. Then love little, to see him. little reunion. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, will there be a Super J-Cast meetup at any point? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not, unless anyone wants to take care of my kids and let me go out for a few hours. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm happy for you, dude. I'm, I'm thrilled. It's been a long time coming. It's been, you've, you deserve this one for sure. It's been a long time coming, so uh, good for you. I Thank hope you, man. Uh, your your trip is safe. Flight is not bumpy, and and you have a great time. And send me pictures when you get there. Send me pictures when you get that fucking cheese sandwich, that fucking toasted cheese. Oh my lord! And uh, Covent Garden, that's the best. Not Covent Garden, said uh, oh, Bar Market. Bar Market, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah! All right. So what do you what do you, what do you <laughs> want to talk about today, Joe? Right, little nugget of news first. So the Ota City Gymnasium will be allowing cheering from July the 9th. So there's a Tokyo Joshi show there. It's going to be the first one with cheering with masks on. Uh, So cheering and streamer tape. So just looking ahead, obviously nothing announced for New Japan. And I don't want us or anyone else to get their hopes up. But we have two G1 shows there. Night four, where our main event is Ishii versus Jay White. Night five, where our main event is Tanahashi versus Naito. So again... This is, I'm not saying because Tokyo Joshi are having cheering there definitely means New Japan will, but you kind of hope that if you know if they're allowing cheering for one wrestling company, that they're going to do it in New Japan. What, what are we thinking? I, I would think so, right? I mean, how? Why? Why? I mean, the only thing I think that would hold them back possibly would be maybe they expect a bigger crowd, and that in turn might make them a little bit weary of cheering with the amount of people that might be in there that being said fucking let's go i mean come on i mean just if you want to do masks i got no problem with the masks you want to wear the masks wear the masks um but let's go let's fucking let's get let's go let's go that's that's the one thing like this the forbidden watching forbidden door really shone a light on we've been putting a brave face on it but Wrestling without cheering is fucking shit, yep. isn't it? It's rubbish. And watching Forbidden Door, and I'm going to go back to, I can't, we can't defend that anymore. It's awful. Yep. Yeah, it really is. It, it was, look, again, I, 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 mean, I don't want to, I, I certainly don't want this to turn into a fucking COVID talk, but yes, let's, I mean, you, there's no turning back. Did you see, and, and again, I know we were, we're getting into it, but the level of enthusiasm on those guys that came over from New Japan. Like, yes, they- yeah. I was going to go to the question from that, actually. So Multiverse Aces, Ross has to be counting down the days until crowds can cheer again. You could see them love the noise. Yeah, you could like, physically see them react to it. You know, just off the top of my head, people like Clark Connors, even like Despi and Kanemaru, just seeing crowds shouting and yelling for them, it, it gave them life and they must be absolutely sick to death of it. So... Definitely. I mean, I do wonder if having worked for Door, they might be coming back and having a word with the bosses and be like, come on, we've got to do something. Did you see this show? Right. Fuck. Right. It's, you know, you're, and you're right. The guys even work in dark matches. The crowd was like, truly, this was the best pro wrestling crowd I've ever been around. Like, it was packed to the gills. It was, you know, United Center is a beautiful building, modern, spacious basketball slash hockey arena um it was packed to the gills and everybody was like it you, i know that there was this thing where people were like well they won't know who the new japan everyone knew who everyone was 
everyone knew the spots. Everyone knew. And and 17,000 or however many it was. You don't think Yoshihashi had a fucking boner going to the ring? You know what I mean? Like, everyone, top to bottom on that fucking card was just like, <sighs> look, that card had a lot of issues going into it with injuries and all that shit. And it felt like every fucking day something was going wrong. I got to tell you, that was, truth be told, hands to the sky, I swear, if not the best, but one of the best, one of the best, one of the best pro wrestling shows I've ever attended live. That includes crazy ECW shows. That includes some WCW pay-per-views. That includes New Japan shows at the Tokyo Dome. Top to bottom, I don't think I've ever been to a pro wrestling show where from the dark matches all the way to the main event, it was at the very least really good. I I, I never. And I texted you, Joel, saying, you're not going to believe this, but I think this might be the best pro wrestling show I've ever been to. And again, there might have been main events that have been bigger and grander and more spectacular, but top to bottom, a pro wrestling show where the crowd was just fucking into everything and the wrestlers sh- like work their asses off in front of a live crowd. I can't, I'm really hard pressed to think of anything better. Again, Tokyo Domes, uh, G1s. No, they, they don't compare to this top to bottom. It really was a, was a special night. And I think everyone that was there appreciated it. That's it. I think when you saw those first teams coming out for the, the opening match, it was like the crowd had decided, you know, the build-up, the injuries, fuck all of that. We are going to enjoy every single second of this, and we're going to make it a great show. And obviously, you know, the wrestlers did more than did their part. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to say they were just going to phone it in, but then they heard the crowd were hot, so they decided to change all their match stats. You know, you can't do that. I'm sure they went out there determined to put on a great show and enjoy it as well. But just sort of collectively, the way everyone from the crowd to the workers managed to to get over all the disappointment from the build-up and put on again i wasn't there live so there's no live bump from me but i thought it was an outstanding show as well and uh, a lot of people are going to be eating crow i mean uh, us us included i think i mean i said i thought it was going to be a fun show i didn't think it was going to be this good this was yeah one of the the most enjoyable shows that i've ever watched on tv so just tremendous start from from top to finish Uh, and i know you didn't experience this but the commentary i thought they did a very good job as well obviously there were a lot of people there uh in danger, of course, of stepping on each other's toes when you have that many people doing play-by-play. But I thought they were they were outstanding. They didn't get in each other's way. Uh, Kevin Kelly was great. He he laid out all the information that we needed from the New Japan side. Uh, and I'm not saying that just because he gave us a shout-out. Mm. Respect. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a really enjoyable experience, top to bottom. And you're not the only one, Damon. I think most people, from certainly from the VOW side that I spoke to coming out of it, were saying, yeah, this was incredible. Like John Carroll, you mentioned, they were gutted they thought they wasted their money because they saw that Naito wasn't there, Hiromu wasn't there. They were thinking, oh, wish I wasn't going to this, but came away thinking, fuck, that was one of the best shows I've ever been to. That was a perfect 10 out of 10 uh, show. So, 
Absolutely something to be celebrated here. Um, let's get into it then. So Bayern match was uh, Bishamon, Goto and Yoshihashi defeating the factory team QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Eight minutes, 53 seconds. And like you said, when Yoshihashi walks through the curtain and the crowds <laughs> erupt for him, you know you're off to a winner, don't you? You really do. And, and and you could tell, like he came through the curtain or the you know the tunnel, whatever you want to call it. And... Um, he was kind of the usual Yoshihashi, where like a little awkward, a little anxious, just a little not, you know, you know. And then the crowd. I'll tell you why, Damon. We, we had another music gate. They they cut off the the best part of his music. You know the. Right. That's supposed to run for about seven minutes before he appears. <laughs> but 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 they were pressed for time. They were like, "Get the fuck out!" The Yoshihashi incident. <laughs> the Yoshihashi incident. Like, get the fuck through the curtain. Let's go. Um. But like he he turned it around because the crowd was just like fucking Yoshihashi, let's go! And then Goto and for a dark match, it was good. It was a really good match. I mean, I don't know if we, like was this was on the um, what do they call it the not the pre show buy it the buy it yeah, yeah yeah okay so it was televised but like I thought everybody was was going a hundred miles an hour. I thought everybody looked good. Yeah. Yeah, extremely high ceiling on this show. There were no matches that I thought were bad. No. Even even from the bind. No. Top to bottom. Like I and I kept saying it during the show. I was like, name me name me the match that stunk. Nothing stunk. Like everything was was at least solid. At the very least solid. And like, yes, there was one match where it was like, okay, that finish came out of fucking nowhere. But the match itself was good until that point. You know what I mean? Like, I think everybody was just kind of scratching their head with the finish, but Aside from that, there wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a bad I th- I saw somebody tweet something about like uh, burning out the crowd. Maybe it was you, Joel. It might have been. Um, like that's proof in concept that there's no such thing. Like if you deliver a show that, that just goes and goes and goes, trust me. Look, I'm sure that there was a lot of people that this was their first live pro wrestling show in a long fucking time, right? I'm sure there was. I know there was. Man, people were ready for it. So if Yoshiha, I, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't care who came out. <laughs> they could have fucking wheeled out anybody. Uh, I was going to say Yano, but yeah, apparently Yano was in the crowd. Yano was in like the, the second row. Um, they could have wheeled out anybody and the, the place would have been Berserko. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next match we had was Lance Archer defeating Nick Comoroto in six minutes, eight seconds with a blackout. So a nice little tune-up match for Lance. A little surprise there. That wasn't uh, announced ahead of time. There were some whispers. If you've been following uh, Voices of Wrestling Patreon, you might have uh, picked up some clues on this. But yeah, good to see Lance here. Yeah. Yeah, he's ready. Yeah, just a, a nice little six-minute, I don't want to even say squash, but um, I mean, it made Lance look super strong and as it should and yeah he's ready for g1 he looks great he looks like he lost a little bit of weight too he looks like he lost a little bit of weight um i look i don't think anybody's bitching and moaning about lance archer in the fucking g1 right i mean he's he's a guy that is a, is a proven commodity so let's give him a six minute dark match and and let him have some fun Right, next match. What did you think of this one? Because oh, I fucking love this one. This is Swerve and Keith Lee defeating El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, 12 minutes, 8 seconds. And just 
like just the opening segment of Kanemaru against Keith Lee. Like how often does Kanemaru get to work against someone like Keith Lee? You could tell he was enjoying it. And just when they started getting going and just having those dynamics of a huge guy like Keith Lee getting chopped down to size by these like super, this super efficient uh, New Japan junior tag team, just sort of trying to take him down and methodically uh, sort of chop away his massive legs. Just really compelling stuff. I thought this was a great match, honestly. Uh, the, the closing sequence as well with uh, Swerve coming in and sweeping Despy's legs and stomping on him from the outside. And the, we got the whiskey. The crowd was just horrified by that. It was just really great stuff. I mean, I know it's only a 12-minute buy match, but I love this one. Me too. And I like the, the way that the juniors worked it. Um, Despy was fucking over. Um, I, don't, I hope it translated well through the TV, but Despy was over as fuck. Um, Keith Lee was over too. I mean, Keith Lee got a huge pop coming through. Um, yeah, I mean, you 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 might expect a a little bit of a squash considering the size differential, and it was there was a size differential, um, but it was smart. You know, the juniors working, you know, chopping down the leg, working the leg, um, you know, fucking up a little bit. Great bumps by both of them. Both of them were bumping big time. Um, I'm glad they got a match. I'm glad all of them got a match because there were there's you know there was some doubt of those guys, and I mean I know I bitched and moaned about it last week, you know especially the guy like Despy like how the fuck can he not be on the show? And technically he wasn't. He was a, it was a dark match, but like I, I I don't know how you can gauge that. But if you're a pro wrestling fan, you're like and you were on the fence of getting this show and you watch that buy in. I don't know how you don't fucking just be like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, if these dark matches are any indicator of how good this bat- this show will be, you're going to be in a good spot on a Sunday fucking night. Like, I would be very curious to know how many, like, last-minute buys there were. Because um, I think I think every one of the dark matches did their job tremendously. Uh, obviously, I didn't hear any of the commentary, but from a live crowd perspective... I don't think I don't think you could ask for anything more from a from from three dark matches. And the final dark match we had was LA Dojo. So Yu Uemura, Kevin Knight, DKC, and Alex Coglin being defeated by the team of Max Caster, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Billy Gunn in five minutes thirty five seconds. So pretty short match there. Damon, what, what do we think of my my absolute favorite, my best boy, Max Caster, and his rap this time. I thought it was a great one. What was it? He said, uh, I'm going to make you call me senpai. You're probably in the dojo watching hentai. <laughs> I love that. Did I thought like that was one? great. Anyway, I did. I really did. I don't know if it's just it's my my dad's sensibilities that I just find Max Caster hilarious, but there you go. Um, I mean, this was fine. If I'm going to have some slight complaints about this show, I wasn't thrilled about them, the, the LA Dojo guys losing two on four because I think the two of the, the guns team just sort of wandered off and then ended up uh, basically being Billy Gunn and Max Caster defeating all four of them, which, you know, rather they hadn't done that. I, I, and I did enjoy all the people on the just saying, they're young lions, they're supposed to lose. Like, Fuck off. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to die on that hill, but just if, if I'm going to complain about something, didn't need to do that, but. It was a nothing match, you know, five minute match. Who cares? Right. I felt, and honestly, it felt like it was less than that. So, and that, and I'm saying that as a good thing. Like it wasn't like everybody was just looking at their watch, waiting for it to get done. Um, yeah. I mean, trust me. I think the finish seemed a little 
blame, but eh, what are you going to, you know, I mean, you know, booking aside, the match was fine. Right, that brings us on to the main card then. So we started off with Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki defeating Eddie Kingston with a Utah show to Umino. So Jericho pinned Umino after 80 minutes, 58 seconds with a Judas effect. I mean, wow, what an open. What an open. This is one of the, this is like case in point for Forbidden Door, a match that looks a bit weird on paper. You're like, huh, what is this shit? And then you actually see it. And it's amazing. <laughs> like This is one of the most fun pay-per-view openers I can remember. Just balls to all action, loads of little storylines weaved into it. And just sort of examining it from the lens of the New Japan fan, I think we've got to talk about Shota Umino here. We've got a lot of questions about him. So Sandre the Giant says, is Shota Umino now back on the track to future ace them after his forbidden door showing? He worked great, looked a million bucks like a little baby Tanahashi. And yeah, I thought this was a real sort of star-making performance from Shota Umino. And in no small part because of Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho is a guy who I don't think really gets enough love for how unselfish he is and how hard he works to put other people over. And you could see that his intention in this match and probably going forward, given the, I don't, I don't know if you caught the backstage segment afterwards where he threw a fireball yeah. and showed to Umino's face. It looks like this is a, a long-term program he wants. And I don't know if there's legs to it, it, it will be wonderful to see them having a singles match at Tokyo Dome or something down the line because they've got that built-in story with the Wrestle Kingdom 12 spot where he put uh, Umino into the walls of Jericho in front of his father. So it's all built in there and you can see the huge parts of this match were laid out to make Shota Umino look like a star. And he did look like a star. He's in great shape. He was showing confidence and, and energy and passion. And I just came away from this thinking, okay, this guy's nearly ready. You know, what it reminded me of is, you know, back in the day when Jumbo Saruta was going to, you know, on, on excursion and he would be wrestling in Florida or he'd be wrestling in Texas um, and he would be wrestling like the Funks, like Dorian Terry or, uh, you know, he's wrestling legitimate stars of the business at the time and you know, legends and guys who really know, knew, know, knew the the business, and especially in the ring and and outside the ring, and this screams that to me. Like this is Chris Jericho saying, "Okay, I know you are the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? I know that in a few years' time, you're going to be top of the card come Wrestle Kingdom." Let me do what I can to show you some things. Be in the ring with me. You know, let's let's work a program together. That's to me. Chris Jericho was an outstanding performer of this match. I think all of them were, but again, the unselfishness of this show. We talked a lot about like people not wanting to put people over, and the, or let me take that back. The companies. Not wanting to put people over, like. But then on 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 the on the other hand, you have Chris Jericho. That's like, okay, fuck it. You know, let's ha- let's first match. Let's fucking have a blast. You know what? And I gotta I gotta give and take. Unbelievably, unbelievably great. So entertaining. The match was so much fun, and you know, not for nothing, it was Fire Pro Wrestling the, when they put it together. And it was like fire pro wrestling fun, <laughs> like having having this match. And and how smart was it to have this to be the first match? Like for this to be the first match, like that, it felt like there was a purpose for that. And and 
Uh, it was a, it was really a fun way to kick off the show. Then we had the ROH and IWGP Tag Team Championships winner take all match. So FTR Cash Wheeler Dax Harwood defeated uh, Rocky Romero and Beretta and Great Okada Jeff Cobb. Sixteen minutes nineteen seconds via Big Rigs. So FTR are the new IWGP Tag Team Champions. Uh, very fun match. I liked uh, the way they laid it out. It, it was sort of telegraphing it when. I forget which one it was, but one of the FTR fellows, the bald fellow, walked off and all injured. And I was like, he's definitely coming back. <laughs> and he did. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy about the three ways, but I thought they laid this one out pretty well and protected Khan on the cob because, of course, they didn't take the pin here. I and mean, I think we all knew that Rocky Romero was in this match solely to eat the pin. And, and so it played out. But uh, yeah, I thought I had a good time watching this one. Um, In-ring answers, as much as I love Cobb and O'Khan, all hell, FTR with those belts, is very interesting. And Frank says, do you see FTR showing up in Japan soon? How long do they hold those belts? So yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I was wondering, would New Japan be happy to let uh, an outside team win their IWGP tag titles? My prediction going into it was no, but I'm glad that they did because yeah, it definitely mixes things up a bit. I would love to see FTR in Japan. You know, them being a world tag team would definitely elevate that and they would surely be excited to work in Japan. I'm, you know, they've spoken about it at length in interviews as well. So uh, whilst I did really enjoy the kind of the Cobb team being champions, I think FTR winning it opens a lot more doors, if you will, doesn't it? It does. Um, I like them as a tag team. I really do. Um, I think they're a special tag team. Um, and it's to me, it feels a little bit rare to have a team that's solely a team. I mean, I, again, you can point your fingers at Young Bucks, but honestly, you could probably count them on on one hand that are really, really good at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, it breathes a lot of fresh freshness. Um, I was surprised that they they would, but you know, let's be honest here. They if if there are touring wrestlers. The likelihood of the tag titles changing hands to a touring, and I put that in air quotes, wrestling team, um, is higher than anything else. I mean, we've seen that with War Machine. We've seen that with um, Matt Taven and fucking Mike Bennett, right? We've seen that with Gallows and Anderson. We've seen that, you know, we've seen that a lot. So it's not too crazy an idea for them to, to have the titles. Um, I did not expect it. Did not expect it. But. Again, these are guys that are going to be showing up on AEW TV with those titles. I mean, and, and all the other titles that they have. I think it's, I think it's, you know, that's it's an okay thing. And them coming over, I think we will see that. I think it's, I think it's, I don't want to say it's a definite because they could lose it tonight on TV for crying out loud. Um, but I like the idea of of them, you know, breathing some even more fresh freshness and fresh blood in the heavyweight tag division yeah and obviously there is money in a, a rematch because Khan and the Cobb were not pinned well they've lost their titles twice. twice now without actually being pinned so they've obviously got that claim to come back to uh, it was some funny tweets actually uh, Okan tweeted this nine hours ago saying return to Japan the belt was unreasonably stolen by the FTR so I'm comforted by porn stuff I'm a poor person there's a photo of him cavorting with <laughs> excellent stuff. Uh, and there was also one from uh, Tokyo. I think this is Tokyo Sports. So, uh, and I quote, Great Okan committed the cardinal sin of losing the IWGP tag team belts overseas. He is an unparalleled buffoon. Ooh. 
if you want to come back to Japan, go swim in the Pacific Ocean. My <laughs> so lord. Very, very harsh words from Tokyo Sports there, which did, did, did make me chuckle. Um, I mean, he, all right, they, so, they, they didn't lose them. They didn't lose them. They, you know, that's, that's, you know, you don't have to pin the champions. Let's like, come on, Tokyo Sports. Relax a little bit. The guy's hanging out with porn stars now. But, you know, not for nothing. He's living the life. Get some respect in this. Yeah. Come on. All right. Then we had the AEW All-Atlantic Championship match. What? The four-way match with uh, Pac defeating Miro, Malachi Black, and Clark Connors. 15 minutes, 10 seconds with a brutalizer. So Pac becomes the first AEW All-Atlantic Champion. And there was a lot of hand-wringing and, and wailing and teeth gnashing about Ishii not being in this and Clark Connors being put in. I said on the show that it will be great with Clark Connors. And I think I was proved right here. Very, very different kind of uh, uh, performance than you would have got from Ishii. I think I mean, Ishii in this match would have been good, but he's... He would have basically been the same as Miro, sort of functionally. The you know the, the tough guy, they're sort of squaring up to each other, hitting each other hard, blah blah blah. But I thought Clark brought something very very different to the table with a great underdog babyface energy, and I just love the way the match was laid out for Carl Clark, sorry, where he kept trying to attack, he go go after the big dogs in the match, and just ate shit every single time. You know, getting manhandled, thrown out of the ring, just tossed aside like a piece of crap. But then gradually he he just kept trying and trying and trying and you knew something was building until finally we got that great spot with him uh, spearing, he speared Miro through a table, didn't he? Mm. Which got an amazing reaction and you could see like he was losing his mind. The crowd were getting so into him, the crowd were chanting his name and just what a fantastic moment. And I know he, he ate the, the submission in the end and I thought that was laid out really smartly as well because he was in the 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 arm bar from Malachi Black and then Pac did the 450 onto that same arm and then locked in the brutalizer for that arm. So he sort of had his arm triple worked over. So he tapped straight away. I thought he sold it really well. Just, I thought a a wonderful performance from Clark Connors really made a name for himself in this spot here. Um, Frank says Clark Connors also seems to be a made man with his performance. He should be in the heavyweight class now. I think he stays in Japan for a bit. An eventual run at the Never Openweight title could be good. Multiverse Aces, who do you think had the bigger breakout performance on Sunday, Shota or Clark? The audience reaction from both was incredible. Mm-hmm. So, David, please talk to us about this match and Clark Connors. So, I guess I'll work my way backwards. Who who did come out of this with a with a, the the biggest amount of shine, Clark Connors was really good in this match. Like, and I'm going to say this, and people might not fucking agree, but I think you would too. I think I think that this was a not only a positive replacement, but it probably was better than if Ishii were in the match. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. You are correct for saying that. Right. Now, I know people are like, well, what are you talking about? Here's what you you know what you're going to get, and it's probably going to be very good. But what you got was a guy who knew the spotlight was on, knew this was a moment. And I don't know if necessarily you're going to get that with Ishii, right? Um, so you have that element of a guy that's willing to do whatever the fuck it takes to make this a good match. Um, he should be a heavyweight. He should not be a junior. I would agree with that. Um, who came out as a bigger star? Hmm. I'm going to say Shota. Just and 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 here's why: the post match angle, like not everybody gets a fucking fireball thrown at their face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean. 
Like he he was the chosen one to get that. So uh, I'm going to give it to him just for that. Because here's the thing: as silly as it sounds, people will remember that. People will will, will remember that um, just because it's you know Chris Jericho throwing a fucking fireball in somebody's face. But honestly, the match was really good. You know who's criminally underrated? Pac is unbelievably good. And I don't even know if criminally underrated is is as an accurate statement, but like I know everybody was chanting the old "You deserve it, Adam" after he won the title. But I hope they do something with this fucking title because that is a guy that like he he is so incredibly good uh, that he deserves something around his waist. And I, hopefully, this again turns into something. That people care about, and and here's the thing: he'll make it so that people care about it. But yeah, I think he was he was one of those guys at like at the end of the night. It was like mm, he might he might be the MVP of the night. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here 
on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking, a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door And then we had a six-man tag team match where Shigo Takagi, Darby Allen, and Sting, talk about your fire pro random energy there, uh, defeated the Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, which, again, just a tremendous six-man team of just real shithead energy there. Just an absolute blast from the, the moment where we had the silhouette of Sting at the top <laughs> jumping on all of these guys. Just, just absolute mayhem. I love this one. This was so fun. Dude, let me tell you something. When they did the old sting in the rafters and they had the spotlight up like, okay, we're, I'm in the voices of wrestling box. Uh, I don't think you can get more jaded pro wrestling fans than this group. And everyone was fucking pants down at the idea of sting repelling from the rafters. And then him, you know, faking everybody out, you know, or, you know, the phony sting or whatever. Uh, 
It was great. Sting in the ring with those guys was tremendous. The Los Ingobernables fist bump with Shingo, tremendous. Uh, Sting Gobernables, as they're now called. <laughs> Sting, okay, I, I feel like that's fair. Um, I, I think this match had a bit of everything for everyone. You could get your nostalgia scratch, your, your itch scratched. You can get your solid pro wrestling. You can get your death-defying spots. Darby Allen, I'm sorry, is a, is a, is a maniac with some of the shit that he does. Um, Sting. That's that one dream match I'm holding out for, Dave, and I want Darby Allen versus Docky at some point in the future. Well, I'll tell you what. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe, fingers crossed, best of the Super Juniors next year would be nice. But just everything about it. like Like, this match and the opening match with Suzuki, Jericho, Eddie Kingston, like... It had a very similar energy where it was just so cool to have a match like this. Like, again, Sting in the ring with Shingo, uh, in the ring with the Young Box, in the ring with El Phantasma. Craziness. Uh, but, yeah, like, like, like if I'm closing my eyes and thinking, okay, what were the memories of that? It was the voices of wrestling box going bananas at the idea of sting up in the rafters and then him doing his doing his thing with the young bucks and, and, and hikaleo fucking great fucking great okay then we had a women's aw world women's championship match thunder rose defeated tony storm it's a good match uh, i mean i'll just skip over this one because there's nothing really to get into from uh new japan fans lens here so unless you have any strong thoughts about that we'll move on to the iwgp united states heavyweight championship which was will osprey successfully defending against orange cassidy 60 minutes 43 seconds with the Stormbreaker. so in ring art says how over is orange cassidy in person and cactus max says does damon still think 20 other guys on the aw roster could have had a better match with Will Ospreay than Orange Cassidy. Yes, I, I do. That's and that's fine because that just speaks volumes about the talent that might be there. Um, that being said, uh, talk about a guy who shut me up. Right, this match was—he found a way to incorporate his gimmick, which again I said. Could be a handcuffing thing. Could be. I don't know how they're going to work this. They found the way. They did it. It was great. Uh, everything top to bottom was super solid. Um, you know the spot where you know he does his usual, you know, you know the weak kicks and everybody chants along, and then he came back with the Kawada style kicks on Osprey. Osprey, I thought was fucking great. Look, just awesome heel work. That moment where he put on the abdominal stretch pocket. and then put his hand in Orange Cassidy's pocket. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, it pulls out the middle finger. I mean, look, I, I I'll be the first to admit, boy, was I fucking dead wrong. Boy, was I like proven wrong. Um, I thought this match was fantastic. That does not mean that there are other guys on that roster that, on paper, I feel like could have had a great match with Will Ospreay and be a little bit more. I don't know. For my tastes, a little bit more sexy. But this was this was fantastic. And of course, never thought I would hear it live again, but those fucking those guitars those guitar strings being plunked at the end during the beatdown. Look, there are moments in my life that I will never forget. Maybe 
Liger's retirement ceremony, maybe uh, Naito winning the title, and the, and the crowd going berserko with with Kenta. Uh, maybe it's Kenny versus uh, Okada from the Dome. There's lots of things where it's just like, okay, little snapshots in my mind. There's going to be a moment that I'll never forget, and that was when those, that, those guitar strings were plucked. And I look over, and Chris Sampson is looking at me, and I'm now looking at him, and we both are just wide-eyed, like, and we both mouth, like, what the fuck? Like, wah, wah? Like, it's just one of those things where the guitar hits, I turn, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and like, what the fuck is happening right now? Um, it was, that was awesome. And again, once again, if you're looking at jaded pro wrestling fans, boy, oh boy, was that Voices of Wrestling box loud as fuck. Happy to see it. Um, and even the, like the, 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 the little thing with, with Orange Cassidy with the glasses and it was, look, I don't think, I don't think anybody's complaining. You know, the most hardcore of hardcore pro wrestling fans who love their, Strong style. This was this was a really fucking fun moment in pro wrestling. And that's what we're here for. So we had a question from Sondre who says, what show do you see them having Shibata versus Osprey on? See, th- this is the, the issue with yeah, these Shibata appearances. I don't want to be the party pooper, but for me, if a wrestler does an angle like that, which he's done several times now, then my expectation is let's well, set up a match. But with Shibata, I, I'm saying that that is not the case. This is just like a fun little spot. Hey, look, here's a little Shibata appearance for the live crowd. Enjoy it. I'm not thinking that this is definitely setting up a Shibata singles match. I don't know what is going on with him and his status, whether he's an active wrestler or not. But take this little segment for what it was, just a bit of fun. I don't necessarily think this is setting up a program for the future. Here's the attitude I'm going to take with this. If it does, Awesome. Because that would be pretty great, that the idea of Shabana Will Ospreay. I would be thrilled with it. Don't, don't let your fingers bleed by crossing them and hoping that it's going to happen. Um, I, I don't think, I, I, truth be told, I don't know if anybody truly knows, aside from maybe a handful of people, if this is building toward a match. In the future, you're right. We've seen a lot of this before. Like, wouldn't you think the first one would be Kenta being that like years ago? <laughs> the whole angle of, right. of Kenta turning was revolved around, you know, revolved around him. Um, I would think there would be a match, a, a, a real match between those two. If, if this, think of this as icing on the cake. If it does happen, awesome. I think we're all in for a treat. Will it happen? Flip a coin. <laughs> That's the best I can tell you. Flip a coin. I don't think anybody really knows until close to when it happens. Then we had a special singles match with Zack Sabre Jr. against Claudio Castagnoli. So Claudio beat him 18 minutes, 26 seconds with a Ricola bomb. Any issues for you about the use of Zack? Zack taking the pin here? Um... It's hard to complain about it because it is a guy that I'm sure AEW is building a lot around. Uh, obviously, they are with the the post match and um, the investment they're going to make in him. Um, 
No, I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, I thought the match. I think it makes it a little bit tricky. Not impossible, but just a bit awkward to set up the Danielson match when he's like, well, you you've lost just him. lost to one of his underlings now. So, Right. Makes Where sense. is the claim to now having a singles match with Brian Danielson? I mean, personally, I don't care. I thought it was a good match, really competitive match. You know, they went nearly 20 minutes. It was back and forth. I don't think Zach was squashed or anything, even though, you know, I, I was talking about this with Manabu. Let's acknowledge that Zach is a, a commodity in New Japan. You know, he's a New Japan Cup winner. And, uh, but again, I don't think that he got punked out or anything here. But uh, what did you think of the match? I loved it. I loved it. Even though I think a lot of the people kind of felt that he was going to make his debut here, I still think the crowd was amazingly receptive when they saw the the, the Jumbotron and the, you know, the, the flag and, and the name pop up. Um, I don't You are right. It does like take a little bit of the sweetness out of it. The idea of Danielson and, and Zach in the future. But even with that said, I still think that's a dream matchup. And it, which is a little bit different than this, let's be fair, dream matchup as well. Um, I thought the match was great. I thought I thought both guys were outstanding. Um, you could tell. You could tell guys were like they just felt the energy of the crowd. And I think he, like in this match, like a, a guy like Claudio, who you know, when was the last time he's wrestled in front of a crowd of that size? You know, that noisy, that passionate. And, you know, everybody was want, wanting the, the giant swing and everybody wanted, you know, everybody knew all this, the, the finishes. And, you know, it wasn't like he, he skipped a beat at all. It's a good fit for, for that, what, the Blackpool Combat Club. I, I mean, it's, it's a fucking solid fit. Um, I will say this. At this point in the show, though, in my mind, there were it, it felt like there were a lot of New Japan guys that were going under at this point, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, and again, it's not something that affected my enjoyment of the show because I didn't really care who won or lost, really. I thought the show and the matches were so good that that was sort of an afterthought for me. But having had a few days to reflect on it, you are looking at the results thinking like, huh, what, what exactly did New Japan get out of this? And again, I'm not saying they got nothing out of it. I think sort of looking at the elevation of show to Umino, Clark Connors, those I think were big, even though those guys lost. But in terms of actual big wins, I mean, what what we got? Jay White sort of pinning Adam Cole in a sort weird of. watch finish. Is that right. is that our big victory here? Will Ospreay pinning Orange Cassidy. You know, it's not... Oh, forgive me for not breaking out the, the bunting for those ones. Yeah. Yeah, it did seem like a lot of top stars were looking at the lights. Um, again... I, I wasn't that concerned because I feel like this show, as much as there were things that kind of allowed you to think that there would be a future program, whatever way we go with certain guys, um, it, I, I, it, it feels like it, this this show was a singular show and not necessarily something that people are going to look back on and be like, oh, well, that guy... Like, again, the idea of Brian Danielson and, and and Zach, I think it still has just as much steam and just as much sexiness no matter who won. Um, Tana, again, 
he's Tanahashi. I mean, it's totally okay. Um, and Jay White getting a win, you know, that, that's that would that was expected. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe I'm just bitching a moment about an undercard, but it just it seemed like there was a lot of guys that were looking at the light. Next, we had the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship four-way. So Jay White defeated Adam Cole, Hangman Page, and Kazuchika Okada. 21 minutes, five seconds uh, by pinfall. So a few questions on this. Antonio says, uh, thoughts on the Forbidden Door four-way match? And your beef with Dave Meltzer. What's oh! news on that? Are you guys <laughs> on good terms with him? What's the deal with you guys since Hangman, blah, 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 blah. Um, we don't have beef with him. No. Just, Dave said that he thought Hangman winning the title would be good for New Japan. And I disagreed because... You know, he made uh, comparisons with guys like Kenny Omega and AJ Styles winning it, which, you know, I think are false equivalencies because those guys were working for, if not under contract with New Japan at that time, they were not under contract with uh, rival, full-time contract with rival promotions in a different country. So uh, I just don't think those are equivalent things there. So I don't think it would be good for New Japan to just randomly belt up Hangman Page on a show like this. You know, maybe you could do it in the future, but I think you've got to build up to it because, um, well, various reasons. I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, Daryl says, you're as disappointed as me and the rest of that Hangman Adam Page isn't our IWGP World <laughs> Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Derek says, was there a storyline that was supposed to be advanced for Bullet Club in the Fatal 4-Way that didn't have not a fatal four, it's a four-way match. Let's not use the WWE verbiage here uh, because of the finish, baby. Sizzle Beef, any clue what happened with the finish of the IWGP title match? Now, yeah, this was a weird one because I thought actually it was really good. It was avoiding a lot of the tropes because they seem to be building around this story with Jay White and Adam Cole teaming up. So we had a lot of three-way spots, not just you know two people having a nap whilst two other guys wrestled in the ring. So I thought they did a pretty good job actually avoiding the usual pitfalls of this sort of match. But then it just sort of fell apart at the end. I don't know if Adam Cole, I think he was maybe knocked loopy. I, I don't know. I haven't really gone through it, but that was obviously not the plan finish because he was pinned by Jay White after he, he he hadn't even taken a move. He ducked a Rainmaker and then just got pinned after that. I don't know if he was trying to kick out and the referee didn't register it, but obviously that's not the way it was supposed to have gone down. Yeah, I mean, and from a live perspective, it was weird. It was a, a like a bit deflating. Like you could feel like the air kind of gets sucked out of the of the arena when, you know, <laughs> the referee slaps three. Like it was like one of those, huh? Like I like I don't like. I think these the people that are in that arena are savvy enough to kind of feel when you know a closing stretch is is in their grasp, and it didn't feel that way. Like it just felt like a pin out of nowhere. And and I don't want to say that the match was boring. I don't want to say the match was was wasn't holding people's interests. But you know that there were probably plenty of people just checking their Twitter feed because it felt like it was just we were just in transitions and we were just kind of you know nothing you know we could take a break from looking at the ring I guess. And I think a lot of people actually missed it to because there were plenty of people that you could hear from the crowd just being like, "What the fuck happened?" Um. So yeah, I mean, look. I would say this that it it's it was pretty obvious from at least from a live perspective that more was to occur um that the finish came quickly um and that both those guys were going to be involved in something a little bit more than just that what we saw um but one of those two were was physically unable to maybe perform those spots 
So, and you could tell Jay White is kind of talking to the ref, like, you know, we're fucked. <laughs> we're going home. Um, yeah, and that's basically what happened. Um, it did take away from the match. The match, I thought, was fucking solid. Joel, I'm telling you, like, when Okada's kind of doing his little cup in his ear, listening for the crowd, the crowd was bonkers. Bonkers. Like, just ready to fucking go. Like, they stood up cheering. Uh, it did remind me a lot of Dallas and G1 and Okada and Tanahashi. Like, that kind of reception. But louder because there were 17,000 as compared to you know, 5,000 in Dallas. It was as much luck. I'm not, you know, whatever. We've, we've said a million things about Adam Cole. We've said a million things about Hangman Page. <clears throat> Jay White. I think is is an f- outstanding pro wrestler. Okada is Okada. I mean, what, what's there to say? The, the, the crowd, the crowd appreciated every fucking second of it. Like, like for a lot of those people in that crowd, it was a pff, wow moment. Um, and I can't, I can't hand wave that. I thought it was really good. Main event then was the interim AEW World Championship. John Moxley defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in eighteen minutes fourteen seconds with the Death Rider, and. I don't need an excuse to throw flowers at Tanahashi, but again, just taking a, a step back and thinking that this is the first co-promoted AW New Japan show, big moment, you know, hopefully the first of many for these companies, big red hot crowds, very fun card. And the man that's handpicked to main event it from the New Japan side is Hiroshi Tanahashi. You know, we've got Naito, we've got Okada, we've got Jay White, we've got all these other big stars, but it was Tanahashi, the guy who's been given this spot make it a success and god damn if he didn't fucking turn John Moxley heel in front of the Chicago crowd here I think that, that everyone was just desperate for a Tanahashi win and by the end of it they were <laughs> not happy that Tanahashi lost uh, so I thought they did a tremendous job here the blood was great it really gave it a nice little gritty edge to it uh, just a, a, a tremendous main event and Tanahashi man what a guy the best pro wrestler of my lifetime I'm, I'm sorry if that offends people, I don't care. Best best pro wrestler of my lifetime. Greatest pro wrestler of my lifetime is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Sorry. And, and here's when the, everything else is falling apart, you can, you can trust him, Tanahashi, and he's like, I got this. Don't worry. I got this. Yep. And everything is fine when Tanahashi's taking control. Yep. And, and here's the thing. There's big match Tana. And knees be damned. And hips be damned. And biceps be damned. Doesn't matter. The fucking guy just goes. And he went. He gave you the big spots from big matches. You know, the high fly flows outside the ring. You know, he let it all hang out. And not for nothing. Let's give the guy some fucking flowers here, too. Because he's a professional. He's a he's he is a professional's professional. He could have very easily been like, no, we'll do like a schmaz or we'll do like a count, you know, or some fucking nonsense. He not only was pinned, but he, that motherfucker lied in the middle of that ring for, he sold it like he was shot. Like, eh, just an amazing pro wrestler, top to bottom in ring. And then being the pro that he is, not only did he fucking lie down, but he lied down like a champ and, 
sold everything as uh, as important as he had to, and even the beatdown too. I thought this was this was better than I even thought it could be. It was better than I even thought it could be. Um, and and again, I, we talked about it before how we were just a little bit little bit hesitant. You know, the styles you know, didn't seem like it was a good mix. Ah, they're fucking pros, dude. They fucking did it and did it well and main event a, a big card in a big building in front of a, a big attendance. And they put the icing on the cake on a great show. Like, you know, I look, was it Kenny Okada? No, no, it wasn't. Was it, you know, epic Ibushi Naito or fuck? You know, no, it wasn't. But this was a great main event made better by the crowd. Um, and the importance of what was going on. I, I totally fucking dug it. And both guys worked their ass off doing it. Yeah, I mean, there were those big run-ins at the end that uh, descended into a huge brawl to set up Blood and Guts, which, you know, I had way. To be honest, after the after Moxley pinned Tanahashi, I turned it off. So <laughs> I skipped all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, you know, miss me with that. I'm not particularly interested, but uh, that didn't ruin the show or anything for me at all. I thought... Overall, just tremendous stuff. Uh, some questions here. Azurario says, what's both your favorite matches of Forbidden Door? I might have to say my favorite would be that All-Atlantic four-way. I really enjoyed that one a lot. It was good. I, the opener was really good. I love that. I thought Tanahashi Mox was great. I thought Will and, and Orange Cassidy was really great. Um, my favorite match of the night. I, could be, I, I, I might go with the, with the fucking... The, the the six man tag opening the show, but then Tana and Mox was really good. I don't know. That's a hard one. Like that's that's how that's how fucking much fun I had. Like what was the best match? I might go Will Orange Cassidy. I, I might and Zach Zach and Claw that that was great. Huh. All right. I, I, if I have to pick one. I'll go Osprey, Orange Cassidy. Vince Collector says, what have you heard about the Japanese reception to Forbidden Door? I mean, for the people that I know who watched it, enjoyed it, just the same sort of minor complaints that we have. But if we're talking bigger stuff for the Japanese audience, one, the the price of the pay-per-view and the timing. Like, if they put it on Saturday, that would have been better. But a lot of Japanese fans couldn't watch it because it was, well, couldn't watch it live because it was on Monday in Japan where... Most people would have been at work at that time. So uh, that is what I've heard from the uh, the Japanese fan reception. Uh, Louis says, honestly, the show exceeded my expectations. With the success of this pay-per-view, is there a chance AEW does a show in Japan for the next bit of door? And Sitsi, my, my good friend from the Smartcast, says, so this is an AEW show with an NJPW sprinkling. If the next one is in Japan as an NJPW star show with a sprinkle of AEW talent, what will be one multi-man match and two singles matches you'd book? Uh, so, yeah, do you think this is going to be the first of many? They've got to do this again. Yeah. I mean, there's huge money to be made here. And, and I think if my, my biggest takeaway, one, yes, of course, I want to see another one. And two, I think I would just sort of tune out all the noise when it comes to the build and the booking and just wait until we got the card. And even if it looks weird on paper, I think I have enough faith in both promotions to put on a killer show, even if it's not the dream matches that I would have wanted. Yes, a thousand percent. I think if if, if we learned a lesson, it is uh, to steal a Philadelphia 76ers slogan, trust the process. Um, 
they I mean, they could sell out a stadium, couldn't they? I feel like they could. based on how this show went. I think if they they could put on a much bigger venue, and I still think those tickets would sell out very very quickly. I, I'm, just based on how good this one was. Here's the thing: how many people traveled in for this show, and how many people that I talked to, knowing full well that they traveled in, were just like such a good time. Like they built a lot of fucking trust. You know, it's not like they walked out of that arena and they were like, oh, this fucking show, man. I don't know. No, I didn't hear a peep of that. Everybody had a great time. Chicago is 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 the center of the country. And for the people on the East Coast, it's an hour and a half, two hour flight. For West Coast, maybe a little bit longer. But the city is great. The the arena is great. They could do it every fucking year in that building. And I would I would go every fucking time. Um, will the next one be in Japan? I don't know. Um, I, I can't say that it's a definite, but it sure feels like that. That's the case. And maybe a little, we scratched your back. Maybe now you scratch ours. In terms of matches I'd like to see, probably not possible because of the politics, but some sort of loss in Gobernables versus LIJ or some sort of teaming up. I just, I want to see those guys all in the ring together. That would be great. Uh, two singles matches. Okay. So I've given you one earlier. I think Darby Allen versus Doki. So they can just go out there and just do crazy <laughs> stuff to each, other. each other's bodies. Uh, another one, mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Apart from the obvious ones, I mean, I know we'd all like to see Zach versus Brian Danielson. Um, how about Naito versus Punk? I know I've given you yeah. two lots of Naito there, but I love Naito, so there you go. I like that spot for him. Yeah, Naito Punk. I think that would be really, really great. Um, yeah, I think everybody's still chomping at the bit for Brian Danielson and Zach. Um, Hmm, what else that we haven't seen? Miro versus Shingo. That would be fun. Okay. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, I think Hiromu's got to be somewhere in that mixed. Um, I don't know if you do Hiromu and... I don't know. I don't know. Do I want to say... Hiromu versus Derby is one that people talk about a lot. I think that would be great. I think that would be great. Again, keep in mind, you still have Kushida in your back pocket. There's a lot of guys. Kenta. There's a lot of guys that, you know... Here's the thing that I have to like just throw all the flowers I possibly can at this show. They did this, not only booking on the fly in some cases, and again, we talked about the positives and the negatives of that. Like, just go through the the amount of names that weren't on the show, and it was still a great show. Imagine when we have rosters at full capacity and injuries are healed and you know. Even more dream matches can be can be laid out. Like like that's that's pretty amazing to me. The fact that they were able to pull this off, you know, literally day by day, we, we, you know, people weren't going to be able to be on the show, and they figured it out. They figured it out. And and here's the thing too. Not only do I have to give credit to both New Japan and AEW, it's the people in the ring. Like the people in the ring, it, it's like they had a meeting beforehand and been like, you know what, guys and gals, go out there and fucking tear it up. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, just go and do everything you can to be great. And they did. Every match, every match felt like they went out there and said, okay, I'm going to try and steal the show. Well, and, and it was great. It was really a fun fucking time. So... Yeah, if there's another one, I'll be there. No doubt. All right, let's touch on the G1 Climax blocks and schedules. So let's talk about A block first, where we've got Okada, 
Lance Archer, Jonah, Jeff Cobb, Filthy Tom Lawler, Torriano, and Bad Luck Farley. And I'm not going to read out the whole schedule for this, but just the night 18 in Budokan Hall, August 16th in A Block, we will have Okada versus Lance Archer and Jonah versus Bad Luck Farley to conclude that block. Mm. So let's just give our thoughts on the blocks, any matches you're looking forward to, and who do you think is going to win the block? So A Block, it's hard to look past Okada in terms of winner. Yeah. I think he's a pretty safe pick, but I think probably the correct pick there. I can't really see anyone else going through. In terms of matches I'm looking forward to, Jonah versus Bad Luck Farley. I want to see uh, how many minutes they last before both of them are completely blown up. <laughs> no. Seriously, though. I mean, I, there are a lot of question marks around Jonah, actually. People are being quite dismissive already of his um, participation in this G1. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he could... Prove a few people wrong. I know so we we'll can see on that one. Every every um, year there's that, Joel. Though every year there's that one guy that's like, oh Jeff Cobb's in, oh Michael Elgin's in, oh this guy. You know what I mean? Like that guy who's just doesn't have the expectations, and they go out there and they fucking deliver. Um, like here's the thing with Jonah. Like, I, if, right now he's on a fucking treadmill. I guarantee it. Like they, they know. You don't think he's picked up the phone and said, "Okay, what, what the fuck do I expect from this?" You know, <laughs> to to people who have been there and done that. You know, how how what what's my conditioning have to be like? What what can I expect in the fucking brutal Japanese summer? Like like, trust me, he's he's going to be well prepared, and I think he's going to over deliver. Um, because I don't think he's bad. I just think he has under underwhelmed we'll say so far, like he hasn't done anything that's been like, Oh, okay. Put you on the map for this. Um, but I think he will. I think G one's going to be a nice little coming out party for him. Yeah. In terms of matches, I'm looking forward to in a block. I mean, Okada versus Tom Lawler is yeah. one that stands out. Underrated comedy, Yano versus Tom Lawler. I think that one could be a lot of fun. Um, so a block matches you're looking forward to. Who do you think wins? I think Okada wins. Um, I think a lot of the Tom Lawler stuff, like all those are going to be fun, fresh, exciting, different matchups. Um, I can't really, I'm, I am looking forward to Jonah actually. Like I, cause I, again, I really feel like he's going to be one of those guys that's going to impress more people. I don't think people are going to be hand waving him after this. Um, follow, I, you know, look, we're, we're, we're already doing the hand waving on that. Yano, I mean, he's good for the fucking, the the quickie, you know, flash pin, right? You know, you, you know he's he's there with that, right? Um, Jeff Cobb, probably Jeff Cobb Jonah might be good, right? Um, I think Jeff Cobb Okada might be really good. Mm. Yeah, that's the opening night, I think. Okay. Uh, let me just check the Chris Samson's put it up on this. Uh, Twitter. Handsome Chris Samsa. Uh, night one. Handsome Chris Samsa. The hunk, Chris Samsa. Yeah, July 16th in Hokkaido, Okada versus Jeff Cobb. Okay. Yeah, I think those are the probably the highlights for me for Block A. Right. And then looking at B Block, we have Taichi, Tamatonga, Tomohiro Ishii, Jay White, Sanada, Great Okan, and Chase Owens. Hmm. Hard to look past Jay White, although I'll give you Sanada, maybe even Great Okan as possible dark horses for those blocks, but I can't really look past Jay White for that one. Yeah. I think Jay's, I mean, on paper, that's the guy. 
You'd like to think Tai Chi would be in the mix. You'd like to think Okan would be in the mix. Uh, this might be the year Ishii is under 500 in the B block. Yeah. I mean, if rumors are to be believed, he was on the chopping block as well, in, in, nearly not included. Uh, and that day will come sooner than a lot of you might think. Yeah. Um, final night here we got for B block Ishii versus Sonata, Tamatonga versus Jay White. So that's a big one. Jay White versus Tamatonga. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of history together now with the Bullet Club break up, him kicking them out of the Bullet Club. So the potential there for Tamatonga to maybe spoil Jay White, who knows? Uh, I'm not, I don't know now. I, you know um, what? I would put a couple bucks on that. I would yeah. put a, I would I would put a couple pounds, yen, dollars on that. Absolutely. Okay, so then if that happens, then what was the other match? Ishii versus Sanada. So maybe Sanada's going to win the block. We might be getting a Okada Sanada semi final. Um, matches I'm looking forward to. Uh, Okada versus Taichi. I think that will be a lot of fun. I think Jay versus Taichi would be a lot of fun. I think yeah, they did that in 2019, I think, and it was very, very good. Okay. Uh, I think Okan Ishii would be good. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, what about Tamatonga versus Ishii? I don't know if they've wrestled each other in singles before, but how about Tamatonga Taichi? I mean, I'm sure they wrestled in tags. Yeah, I think this is quite an underrated block. Actually, I think people were hand waving this one, but. Yeah, and then you always have that stud. You know, Ishii's still a stud. I mean, I know we're trying to fucking put him out the pasture, but he's still a stud and can have some pretty fucking great matches. So, um, don't let's not write him off quite yet. Okay, so C block. Then we have Kenta, Zack Saber Jr., Hiroki Goto, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, Aaron Hanari, and Evil. So, with the exception of Hanari, these are all guys that I think were in the same block together. Certainly two years ago, maybe even last year, I think a lot of them were in the same block too. So this is uh, the the hardcore New Japan fans uh, block, if you will, uh, in terms of picking a winner. I mean, looking at the final night, the matches we have are Goto versus Evil and Naito versus Zack. So you think one or both of those might end up being decisive. Um, hard to look past Naito. You know, there's some rumors about him not being included in Forbidden Door because they wanted to wrap him in cotton wool and protect him leading up to this G1. Maybe, you know, he he might be one of the favourites for winning this whole tournament. So I am going to pick Naito to win C block. And in terms of matches I'm looking forward to, I mean, I'm very interested to see how Henare gets on. Looking at matches like Henare versus Naito, I think Naito will be going out of his way to try and make Henare look good. And of course, Kenta versus Zack. That is always brilliant whenever they meet each other in the G1. So those are two that I'll be circling in the calendar. Uh, C Block, who have you got? Man, I tell you, Evil sticks out like a fucking sore thumb for me. Like he just seems like he's that guy that's going to slide underneath a lot of people's radar and fucking steal this. The C, the cock block, as I like to call it. Evil, I think, is a, is a threat. Naito, obviously, a threat. I think even Tanahashi, to a certain degree, is a threat. Gun to my head. I mean, both guys didn't make this forbidden door. I might, I might go evil. I might go evil. Oh dear. I might go. Hey, look, we know that that you know it's going to be a big summer for Bullet Club. They're going to be front and center in a lot of shit. 
I think this might have something to do with it. I'm going evil. Okay. Well, I mean, this is the thing with these expanded blocks. You can have these dark horses actually outright winning the block, where normally they wouldn't really be in with a shot. You could easily see, you know, someone like an Okan or an evil managing to win their block a few yeah. upsets along the way. Uh, D block, then we've got El Phantasmo, David Finley, Yoshihashi, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Juice Robinson, and Yujiro Takahashi. So a lot of Bullet Club stuff uh, going on there. Um, on the final night for these guys, the two matches, we've got Shingo versus ELP and Osprey versus Juice. So two interesting matches there. You think there might be a bit of spoiling going on. I'm just approaching this through the lens of on the night 19 when we got the semi-finals. I mean, they've got a Budokan Hall to set out. So I think they would want some tasty matches there. Now, if I pick Naito to win C block, I'm tempted to go Osprey because Osprey Naito is still a match that they have very, very carefully stayed away from. Right. That's one of the few money matches they've got left. I don't know if that's necessarily one they want to pull the trigger on for a G1 semi-final, but it is an option. I mean, we could do Naito Osprey. We could do Naito versus Shingo. Shingo might win this block. Um, what about Juice? To my head, I, Juice. Mm, nah. Juice Osprey last last night. You got that fucking U.S. title that's still in contention. I don't know. Something something tells me Juice fucking gets one up on Osprey on this one. Any other matches you're looking forward to? What about ELP versus Shingo? I think ELP might be the guy that like I'm most interested in this block. Um, because there's a lot of guys he can have great matches with. Osprey, Shingo. Even Yoshihashi. Um, I will say to me, like, the Finleys, Yujiro, even, I gotta be honest with you, kind of Yoshihashi, I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Like, am I going to be on the edge of my seat for fucking Yoshihashi matches? Even I, I was going to say, I'm weirdly looking forward to Yoshihashi versus Shingo, because that's a first-time matchup, and I think that is one that could be really, really good, but... You know, aside from that, I can't put my hand on the heart and say, yeah, Yoshihashi G1. Right, right. So, I mean, and, and here's the thing. He has good matches. Again, I, we don't need anybody fucking hitting us up on the DMs. Um, just, again, not sexy. Not sexy. All right. So let's recap then, Damon. Give me your two semifinals, please. So I've got, I'm going, I'm just being boring here. I'm going to go Okada versus Jay and then Naito versus Osprey. Yeah, I'm going Okada, Jay. I'm going Evil and Osprey. And who's your final? If I've got Okada, Jay, um, it would have to be Okada winning. So Okada's in the final, and then Naito, Osprey, Naito wins, setting up Okada versus Naito final. And I am going to pick Naito to win the G1. Okay, that's not a bad pick. I would have uh, probably Okada. How about Jay Osprey? Yeah. Jay Osprey. That's a big one. Yeah. I might go Jay Osprey just for shits and giggles, just to mix it up a little bit. And then who's winning your grade one climax? Maybe bear in mind, Jay White will be your IWGP world. Heavyweight champion. And and maybe the first one to win it, right? While holding mm-hmm. a title. 
Could be. It's got to happen sometime, right? Fuck it. Jay Huito is your... It's the J1. The J1. Boy, do you think people will be happy with that? I can think of one person who'd be happy with that. <laughs> Liam from our Discord. <laughs> I'm not sure about everyone else. He likes that Jamie. Um, yes, I'm going Jay White. All right, let's touch on New Japan Strong. Uh, again, this is part of the taping from the 2300 Arena, so if I'm not mistaken, you have seen these matches. So we had David Finley beating Danny Limelight, six minutes, 30 seconds, Trash Panda. I mean, it was fine. I guess we're, we're trying to give David Finley a bit of momentum going into the G1. Then we have Minoru Suzuki defeating Tony Deppen in 10 minutes, 30 seconds with a gotch style power driver. This one was good. It was, it was different to your usual Suzuki funny faces match. There was a bit more sort of technical grappling involved in this one, so I did enjoy this one. But the main thing I want to focus on is the strong openweight championship versus loser leave strong match where Fred Rosser, the challenger defeated Tom Lawler in his 10th defense, 24 minutes, 17 seconds with the chicken wing STF. Uh, Tony says the Rosser versus Lawler feud felt like something out of the territory days. What do you guys think? And Cal Razen says, is Fred Rosser one of the feel good stories of the year? And has Rosser versus Tom Lawler quietly been one of the better feuds in the business? I mean, yes, it's no coincidence that it won the strong match of the year, two years in a row. And I think this has been built Perfectly, really. We've had, you know, 10 defences for Tom Lawler, all building up to this moment where Fred Rosser gets his second shot. And I think the story's been great with all the, you know, the personal insults and the hair shaving and hair eating and all of that. And it really felt like sort of the last chance saloon for Fred Rosser and just a great testament to how far he's come and developed as a wrestler that he's been able to put on these tremendous matches and be a credible, strong, openweight champion. I think if they belted him up straight away when they had that tournament, people would have been going, what, Fred Rosser, what are we doing here? But the fact that Tom Lawler's had it for this long and has put some shine on it whilst we've been building up Fred Rosser has made it make all the sense in the world and, and the perfect person to hand it off from. So uh, I thought the match was really great and um, just a, wonderful to see Fred Rosser get in this moment, which he, he richly deserves. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like It seems like it was a million years ago, honestly when this match occurred um but the, i do remember the building like going nuts for that title change um yeah it's well deserved and yeah he is a feel-good story of the year and yeah he is a guy that didn't just walk in and, and expected well i'm wwe guy well, okay no he they he he worked tremendously throughout the entire year to make it happen. It's it's it is a feel good story because it could have very easily have been a situation where, you know, he's got a little bit of a name and they handed him a title that maybe people would say he didn't deserve. That's not the case here. That's not the case here at all. And yeah, this is going to be it is an underrated feud. Um it's a shame because it's it's one of the better New Japan feuds of the of you know for the past year. It's really been underrated, really good, and it's really amazing too. Also, how you know when the notebook is out and how they managed to get the the title off uh, Tom Lawler so that he can go to G One. You know, it is it's pretty uh, pretty amazing how they figured all that out in the tapings and the airings and all that stuff. So. Good job. Good job, New Japan. Well done. Let's have a quick look at the New Japan Strong Tag Team Championship tournament brackets. Uh, they have filmed most of this already. They have not done the finals yet, but I can't remember who's <laughs> by which matches. All I can <laughs> you tell you is that. You were all excited about it. You were all excited the, uh, about the, it. 
Oh, no, but it hasn't been televised yet. Okay. I, I sort of saw briefly on Twitter someone who was at the taping saying who won. And the only takeaway I had from that was the fact that Carl Fredericks had been dropped and replaced with you at Oemera. So it's Oemera and Daniels, not Fredericks and Daniels. Uh, and again, I don't want to spoil myself. I would like to watch these matches as they're broadcast. Uh, but in terms of picking a winner, hard to look past Aussie Open for me. I think they yeah. will be the team that you want to belt up and, and hold this going forward, personally. Yeah, I'm looking at the the brackets. So we've got uh, Daniels and Uemra, the Factory, TMDK, West Coast Wrecking Crew, and then the other side of the bracket, Midnight Heat and Stray Dog Army, and then Dark Order and Aussie Open. Dark Order, baby. Um, Yeah, it seems like Aussie Open over Dark Order, and then Stray Dog Army, Midnight Heat. You think Stray Dog Army moves there? Okay. Yeah, Aussie. Listen, if I had the opportunity to book this, Aussie Open's my champions. Absolutely. Who, Who... Let's be very truthful here. Have really, really fit in like a glove in that United Empire. Like, th- like th- those guys are the, the guys digging the ditch in that in that faction. Um, they 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 have uh, flown under the radar a little bit, and I think uh, hopefully this will help. Uh, Get some more eyeballs on them because it's well deserved. They're really good, really fucking good. All right, so the finals of that are on July the twenty fourth at Hyla in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're not going to watch it. You're not going to. You're not going to tune in. You're going to be on your little your your little uh, Britain tour. <laughs> yeah, can- I will be stuffing my face with a lovely cheesy raclette sandwich. Oh. Borough Market at that point. Son of a bitch. Well I'll, well, I'll make sure I watch after I do all my interviews of uh, New Japan's finest. So figure it out. What do we, let's really try and push the boat on. Let's try and get Jay White on the, on the podcast. He can just I don't think, you, I don't think I want to do that. Minutes. <laughs> He'll just be like, you're an asshole. I don't want that. I want people to be nice. Uh, I wonder who we could get. I wonder what like the biggest name we can get. I, here's the thing, though. If you're a big name and you're listening to this podcast, send us a DM. Yeah. If you want to come on the Jcast. Yeah. If you want to come on the on the number one New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Um I like I don't know if I really want like a like a worker in the sense of like what are they gonna tell me? You know what I mean? Like what are they what are they really gonna be like I don't know. I just feel weird. Maybe somebody ancillary I would like. Maybe I can get Charlton. You think you think Chris Charlton would come on this show? That would be a good show. That would be a good show, right? Definitely have a lot of interesting things to say. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Kevin Kelly. Maybe he, maybe he'd come on. He seems like a nice guy. He might come want to come on again. Um, how about Bad Luck Folly? Do you think Bad Luck Folly? Would- <laughs> 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 I'll tell you what. How about we get? How about we we fucking pull some strings and we get you know who? Kikuchi. Yes. <laughs> The official. <laughs> the official. Man. It's official. <laughs> it's officially official. Yeah, let's see if let's see if we can pull some strings. Let's see if we can get somebody good. And not to say that the people that I that I reach out to won't be good. Don't get me wrong. But let's see what kind of let's see what kind of things we can pull off here while you're away gallivanting all over Europe in your little excursion. That's quite a generous term for me staying in a house in Devon for three weeks. But yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have a nice time. Uh, okay, let's wrap it up then. You've got something you want to plug? Oh, I do. Yeah, actually, I do. I do. I do. I do. So during the meetup, um, 
I was uh, hanging out with, uh, well, on on Twitter. He's known as uh, Derek Von Eric. Uh, him and uh, we had some fun with some beers and some sausages and all that fun stuff. Um, they do. I, I told him I would talk about it because, only because um, I I have it. I got it. And it, it's on my phone. And I was playing around with it. And I was playing around with it after the meetup. It's called Ultimate Wrestling Trivia. Um, you can get it on your Apple, you know, your, your app store, Google play. It's available now. Download the free and fun ultimate wrestling trivia app today. You got like 11,000 trivia questions and 30 plus wrestlers making over 650 video reactions to your answers, which is pretty cool. They got, I think they said they got Lawler and Kevin Nash, a couple other people like, like that make fun if you get it wrong. It's really fucking fun. So again, go download it now. It's 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 really worth your time here. Uh, again, ultimate wrestling trivia. You can search for it on the App Store, uh, Google Play Store. Grab it now and let them know what you think. It's really fun. I think you'll have fun doing it. And it comes highly endorsed because I have it currently on my phone right now. So uh, get in it. Get in on the trivia. It's fun, uh, free, and uh, yeah, get in on it. Excellent stuff. Uh, also, recircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way for all the wonderful content we put out there for you. Discord link, if you want to get involved in that, send me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash super j cast for one of our t-shirts. Actually, I think they might have a sale on at the moment. Let Ooh. me check. I've got an email from Brad Dornick at prowrestlingtees.com. So it's their annual 4th of July and Canada Day sales starting Friday, July the 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern time, continuing through to Tuesday, July the 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Use promo code AMERICA22 or CANADA22 to get 20% off. So that's promo code AMERICA22, CANADA22, and you get 20% off prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. A big thanks to Editor Dan. Hope he's recovering well from his accident. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. Yeah.